This is Religion Unplugged, an interview series about the impact of religion in public life around the world. The Reverend Josephine Nagau works with the All Saints Cathedral and the Anglican Church of Kenya, doing what we think is some very innovative work in her parish with people who have lost their hearing. We met Reverend Josephine at a conference for Anglican leaders on Martha's Vineyard this past September, and we learned more about her work. My name is Josephine Ngaho. I minister at All Saints Cathedral um, in Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, I am a pastor in charge of pastoral care and sacrament. What that means is that I do pastoral, I do visitation to members of the church because our main objective is to give care to the members of the congregation. I also do hospital ministry, visiting members of the church in the, in the, in the hospital. We also have... Um, Counseling ministry, counseling services to members who are uh, wounded and they would need some healing. We have a ministry to uh, married, married couples, and uh, of course that goes with premarital classes and the like. We also do uh, classes um, to new members and members who would want to know much about Anglicanism. And we have a ministry to persons with a disability. That's, that's just a nutshell of what we do. And of course, I have a whole lot of pool of uh, volunteers who help me to do that. Wow. It's, uh, it's incredible to realize a lot of social services that we know of in the U.S. is being done through the church yeah. in uh, Kenya and maybe other parts of Africa, too. Yeah. I wanted to zero in on your work with disabilities because you told us, uh, some of us, uh, something about... Uh, people who are deaf, people who uh, don't have their hearing, you do some work with them. How many of those kind of people are you working with? What are the kinds of things you're doing with, uh, to help them? It's amazing because we, we started with a few parents who have children with autism. And, uh, as, and we wanted to have a fellowship with them because we realized that they are not able to concentrate in the church because of uh, the, the hyperness in the life of their children. And in the process, other people with, and families with disabilities began to come in that fellowship. And uh, in the process, the deaf came in. And, um, and the deaf were able to communicate to each other. They have a network, an underground network of reaching out to one another. And we realized that there are many, and so we started a service for them. And so we have a service which is growing very fast. We started with less than 50 people. Today, two years later, we have more than 200 people uh, who are deaf and who are members, who are committed members of our service. That has made us to uh, have um, sign language classes so that members of the hearing community can be able to equip with uh, knowledge on how to communicate with the deaf. And uh, last this year, we began, we, we thought of why don't we um, give them an opportunity to preach to the hearing because even though we have that service in our church, All Saints Cathedral, the, the gap between they, them, the deaf and the hearing, is still there. And so we thought that the way to try and seal this gap is by uh, giving the deaf a Sunday in which they will lead the service and preach uh, in, in, the, in the services where the hearing members are. And so it was amazing to see uh, persons uh, who have hearing impairment, preaching, and of course we had interpreters who are voicing the, the signage, the, si the signs, and it was amazing. It was amazing, and the deaf themselves were so much 
excited. They mm. were happy to have had given that opportunity to, to minister to the hearing. It's incredible to think about because we all, we all know the typical you're at a meeting where they're speaking or a church there's someone speaking and you see the person doing sign language on the side for the deaf after the spoken word and you somehow reverse the process, you and your team. And just to think about how yeah inspiring that must be for people who are deaf to realize they can preach to those who can hear. Do you enjoy listening to this podcast at Religion Unplugged? Then you might enjoy reading the award-winning journalism on our website, religionunplugged.com. Sign up for regular email headlines there. And do you want to see more journalism about religion in public life reported by journalists from around the world, from India to Kenya, from Romania to Bolivia? Then donate and support our work at that website as well, religionunplugged.com. Ms. Rose Kanyunyuzi is from Uganda and works with the Global Orphan Project in Africa. She told us about the innovative work she's doing in Uganda and in Africa with orphans. I'm Rose Kanyunyuzi. I come from Uganda. I live in Kampala and work in Kampala. Uh, my church is uh, St. Francis uh, Makerere Chapel. I work with uh, the Global Orphan Project Africa called Go Africa. We are a Christian organization and we partner with uh, different churches in Africa. In Uganda, we are in uh, Diara Congo, we are in South Sudan, we are in Ethiopia, we are in Tanzania for now. We partner with the local church to empower the local church to care for the most abused and abandoned children and also to strengthen families. The church has discovered that what goes on in families affect the children. So one, a child is an entry point to the society. That's where the church enters the society through. So there's a child who is being abandoned or abused. So the local church has come up to carry this ministry as its own, and also to, to care for this child. It also goes into the family to ensure that can we enable families to be strong to keep children in their families. Hmm. And it also, mm -hmm. uh, it also comes from the point that a family is a church. Without a family, there's no church. We also help church schools that the children may not go to school through all the time. They drop out of school mm -hmm. for very many reasons. And through the family strengthening program, the church addresses eight domains. Food and nutrition. A healthy child will stay in school. A child who is not hungry will learn and their performance will be good. Uh, the hmm. local church also look at he uh, health, hygiene, and sanitation. The church train families in very basic health skill, like washing yeah. your hands, yeah. you know, drinking safe water. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the church works, put these families in groups mm -hmm. so that they can, they can be group accountability. Hmm. And they, 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 the groups own this ministry 
because it is for their family. Mm. Uh, how many uh, young people or families, how many people are you serving? Mm. The local church has this special category of children in need. It's not just any child. Uh, the church look at these children who are hard to find. These are called true orphans, like really children who will not have an information. Maybe a child who lives in a family of a relative. This child will never go to school, but others, children of that same family will go to school. Mm -hmm. This child will not go to church when the, the other children of this family go to church. Mm. So this child will remain home to do work. And when you visit such a family as a church leader, that child is not presented mm. as a, is not known. Mm. So what that's almost like a servant or a yes, slave. Yes, it's usually like a, a, a slave or a servant. So the church knows that we always see every other child in that family go to school, go to, to church. But there is this particular child who always work and doesn't have opportunity to go to school. So that child is the one the church goes for. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, and the church is very intentional. It takes it slowly to ensure that it's the right child. Mm -hmm. Because in most cases, families will advance their own children and hide this child. So the, fa the church takes time, takes its time to find these children. Mm. So to answer your question, uh, in all these countries, the local church is serving right now 700 children. Wow. Investigating cases to look for the neediest child in the most unjust situations, it sounds like. Could you uh, humanize this by telling us the story of one young person or family you help that you think symbolizes or, uh, this kind of work that you're doing? I will not uh, give, this is not the real name of the child. John and Jean were twins. John was born in a loving family and the parents were doing their best to provide the need and the love for him. At age four, their dad died of HIV AIDS. So they stayed with their mother and at age five, their mom also died. So they remain parentless. Mm -hmm. In the process, their paternal auntie brought them in the family mm. as if she's going to care for them. Yeah. But when they got into the home, she at age five, she decided that John and Jean will remain at home to do the core, the chores, and every work. Mm. This is in DRC. So... Uh, the church members will see, and this lady, their auntie, was a responsible person. But these children remain in that home, serving every time. So one time, uh, uh, Jean, the girl, the twin girl of, of John, broke a glass in the process of cleaning and so on. So she was beaten up and she was denied food because... Wow. She broke the glass. Oh, my goodness. So she was so hungry. In the middle of the night, she started crying. And the auntie, the paternal auntie, came and said, I don't want noise, and I don't want you to kill me as you killed your parents. Mm. And she was thrown out wow. onto the street. So Johnny remained still serving 
-hmm. in this auntie's family. So at the age of, of eight, this local church in the Congo took up the mandate to care for such children. And John was one of the children who came to the care of the family, mm. of the, the, the local church. Uh -huh. However, his twin sister was on the street. Mm. A year later, as John was growing and getting care and love at the local church, Jean was discovered at the nearby bush when she was raped, gang raped, mm. and left to die. Wow. So a anonymous woman picked Jean and brought her to the local church. Mm. And when she brought her to the local church, the twin recognized themselves. Mm. Wow. And fell into each other's embrace. Mm -hmm. And they were united. Mm. So such a story, the, f the, the twins being united and loved. Uh, talking to people like you, Rose, and others here at this event, we, I realize there's innovation happening uh, through the church yes. in civil society in different parts of the world, yeah. including Africa. Yes. Uh, and I think often in the, in the in, you know, those of us in the U.S. or other places wonder, oh, is there something we can do to help? Mm. You know, what's your take? Is there... Is there, uh, should we focus on looking for needs in our own communities first and foremost? Mm. Uh, is there, uh, is there something we should or do to try to help the work you're doing? Um, what are your thoughts on that? My thought would be we should do both. Mm -hmm. We should also look at um, our local domestic issues and help. Jesus started in Jerusalem <laughs> and then went out. Mm -hmm. You know, and I will encourage that the church, we are one body. And when uh, a hand is in pain, the, the leg wouldn't say that I'm not going to walk you to hospital. So we as a church, as a body of Christ, yes, we'll do both domestically and internationally as much as we can. Mm -hmm. That's what I will say. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Yeah, fantastic. And um, one quick question on, so how does this work across these countries in Congo and mm. Uganda? How does it get funding? Mm. Uh, is it through the diocese or is it from, from donors outside of the countries? Or how is it funded, uh, this work of you and others? Yes, uh, it, is, it is funded both ways. Uh, local, um, local churches in different countries the first asset they give is land, land for farming or for building simple uh, community context fit mm -hmm. homes. Uh, that is the church. The church has volunteers that will care for the children who will train. The, ch the local churches have schools whereby you don't have to build a new school for these children. The children go to that school and the outside funding is more about uh, maybe some money to build these simple homes and some money for school fees. But the rest, everyday work, meetings, planning for the children, the local church is doing that. Mm -hmm. And for us as Global Orphan Project, mostly we do build the capacity mm -hmm. of the local church members to give the best care for these children and also to give best care and improvement and strengthening 
families. Yeah. So it is a partnership. It is not a one-way thing. The local church contributes enormous resources, human resource, land, local knowledge. And at the end of the day, both the donors and the locals are blessed in one way or the other. Yeah. The name of the organization is Global Orphan Project Africa, called Go Africa. Mm -hmm. And the U.S., it is called the Global Orphan Project. Yeah. Go Project. Yes, there is a website that is www.goproject.org. Fantastic. Yes, please. There, you know, there, there are... We were talking about the media uh, and the need to storytell about innovations happening in uh, different parts of the world and the needs. And there are sometimes in the U.S., for example, we might read about atrocities happening or problems or needs or innovative work. But then you and I were talking about uh, some things also don't get known, like these like you're just these hidden children and this, the uh, powerless children that you're working with. And you are telling me about a situation recently that affected church people in the region and yes. explain that to us. So there is this local church, the Diocese of Boga, that has stepped up to care for the most abused and abandoned children to strengthen families. But last month on 23rd August, there was a rebel group that came and attacked the mission where the cathedral is and took more than 200 people with them, children inclusive. So we contacted the bishop and we asked bishop, how can we help? Mm -hmm. And the only thing he said, no one knows that we are suffering. Mm -hmm. No one knows that we have been attacked. There's no way for them to bring this, the good things they are doing and the, the bad things that are happening to the people. There's no way. The media is far from them. Mm -hmm. There's no electricity. There's no running water. There is no, there's, like, there's no connection. Mm. So, and they're deep in, in villages where the information can't come. So they've been attacked. These communities have been displaced. And the government of the Congo, according to the bishop, did not even show that we need to support these people. Because according to him, the rebels came, outnumbered the, the, the army, the national army that was there, and spent more than four hours looting and taking people into the bush. And no intervention up to today has been taken to even follow mm -hmm. the people have been taken into the forest. Thank you very much. So the only thing we'll do as in Uganda, being partners with this church, we only had to write something into our local newspaper, that's the, the, the New Vision, Uganda. Yeah. Then we had to send it to the Anglican link so that the world knows. And our, the, our, as brothers and sisters of the Christian in the Congo, we will pray with them and even uh, be a voice for these people. Yes. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. Thank you for telling us about that and for telling us about your work. And we hope uh, you go back refreshed from this conference uh, to continue this, uh, this wonderful work that you're doing in your part of the world. 
This episode of the Religion Unplugged podcast was hosted by executive editor Paul Gladder, edited and produced by Peter Freeby. Special thanks to Religion Unplugged managing editor Megan Clark. The Religion Unplugged podcast is a production of religionunplugged.com and is a part of The Media Project, a nonprofit dedicated to equipping journalists to cover religion. To read our award-winning global religion news coverage or to find out more about Religion Unplugged or The Media Project, visit religionunplugged.com or follow us on Twitter at ReligionMag.